0: Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron and joining me today is Tyler Owen. And I've realized too late that I need to pee. <laughs> and Neil Potter.
1: Who let the dogs out? R sin Ford.
0: Oh, great. Great. <Thanks>. <laughs> 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 um <laughs> That's so topical, Neil, because he's starring in that movie alongside Beethoven the Dog. (laughs) Um, uh, But guys, we're here today uh, because we're on part 13 on our series on Harrison Ford. Well, we'll be talking about the 2008 movie, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Starting off like kind of our series of Harrison Ford returning to uh, franchises that he he was once in. Um, but of course, uh, we'll start with some film trivia on The Crystal Skull, then get some box office, and then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on the movie. Um, and all as always, we'll end with some final thoughts and recommendations. And, guys, we have a great guest join us today from not from space, but the space in between space. Cameron <laughs> Rabb is joining us today. Hey Cameron, how you doing?
2: I'm, I'm doing great. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. This means so much. You're all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Um, Cameron, what's uh, what's your thoughts on Harrison Ford? Uh
2: for the longest time, my thoughts were he was Han Solo and that was it. Cause I didn't watch a lot of movies. Uh, my only other like insight into his career, were the films, my dad watched that he was in like the fugitive and like some of those ones that he was in in like the late eighties, like early nineties. And mm-hmm. I thought that was all he really did. And I only found out later in life that he was Indiana Jones too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. That's very cool. Um, What's your relationship with Indiana Jones at all? Or was that just a a franchise you came out later too?
2: It was one of those uh, franchises that I always heard everybody talk about. And like, you know, it was a big part of like sort of like the culture of that era. But I never really watched them at the time. But um, eventually I think they came out on like a multi like. Pack DVD thing, and I got all of them and watched all of them. Uh, I think I was kind of like fresh out of college when I finally watched all of them. But
0: awesome! Oh wow, that late!
2: I never like <laughs> when I, I told my dad. I called him after I watched him I'm Like, man, these movies are great. And he's like, <laughs> "You never watched these? Like, I swear
0: we <laughs> too busy watching The Fugitive." <laughs> I, was say,
2: I saw The Fugitive probably five times growing up, and I never find. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, Well, let's get started. Uh, um, Tyler, you want to start us off with some film trivia? Yeah, sure. So uh, every
3: episode, I put together four pieces of trivia about our main film, and one of them I've made up completely, and you guys have to figure out which one it is. So let's get started. Number one, several weeks into production, Harrison Ford saw a blonde woman on the set and asked someone on the crew who she was. He was told it was Clape. Kate Blanchett, whom he had never seen out of costume and did not recognize without her black wig. Number two, Indiana Jones' infamous whip was rendered with CGI in scenes where Harrison Ford was required to wield it due to new stunt acting rules since the original films. Number three, Harrison Ford has kept himself in such good shape over the years that his costume measurements for the movie had not changed from those in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And number four, the Kung Fu Aztecs, who attacked Indiana and Mutt in the graveyard, are not as historically inaccurate as one may think. Pre-Spanish Peru Incas did in fact practice a martial art known as Rumi Maki, which literally translates as hard hands. <laughs> All right. Cameron, as our guest today, you get the privilege of going first and guessing which one I have made up.
2: Boy. Um... The, the Kung Fu one was so elaborate. It almost feels like you went to such an extreme because it was fake. Uh, <laughs> and I feel, I feel like the costume measurement ones, that's probably true because he wasn't like shredded in the original ones. And he kind of had a dad bod then and he's got a dad bod now. Oh. So <laughs> I think that's probably true. So I'm going to say the the Kung Fu one.
3: All right. Mm. Neil, what do you think? Um Let's see.
2: I
1: think you know, I could totally see him like totally not recognizing Kate Blanchett on set. But I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go with that one just because maybe it could have some, you know, nuggets of truth or something in there but probably false.
0: All right, Ben? Um <laughs> Uh, man, the Kate Blanchett one has to be true. That's such a <laughs> that's such a Harrison Ford move and a Kate Blanchet move. <laughs> um, I I I see your point about the dad bod Cameron, but that has to be fake. It just has to be right. I'm going to go with that one all right well we will we really got a good spread here uh
3: and somehow i've still swept you off. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so number two indiana jones infamous whip was rendered with cgi and scenes where harrison ford was required to wield it due to new stunt acting rules since the original films wow. i made it up <laughs> Wow. But I can see how all of you would just totally buy it since this movie is full of CGI bullshit.
2: <laughs> they start the whole thing off with, like, CGI prairie dogs, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, so the this was almost true. Uh, they were going to have him use a CGI whip because of new stunt acting rules. But basically Harrison Ford pulled a Harrison Ford and said, that's bullshit. <laughs> I want to use the whip. And so somehow... No. He, he, he signed a waiver of some kind and was allowed to yeah. actually use a whip in most I mean, scenes where he was seen using it. So. How many times does he actually use it, though? I, mean, he, I feel like it's only two or three times. I, I know there's one specific instance in that very, like, first sequence at the warehouse. Mm-hmm. But after that, I'm a little fuzzy on how many other times he uses it. It might
0: have
3: been so it. <laughs> it might have. Uh, but yeah, all I'll these other me. ones are true. Yes, yeah, so uh, he did... He did not recognize Kate Blanchett on set when she was not wearing her wig, um, which. I guess yes, you're right. That is a very Harrison Ford thing to do. <laughs> but, like you'd think he'd know who Kate Blanchett yeah, is. Yeah. But I guess if he was, if they were far away and he'd never seen her because the, I guess the the first time they saw each other was their first scene that they did together, and uh, Kate Blanchett perp- did that on purpose because she <laughs> didn't want to meet uh, Harrison Ford as Harrison Ford. Until uh, after they'd done some scenes together because she had grown up watching the Indiana mm. Jones movies and was so like enamored with that character, she didn't want to like, have the, the, the veil lifted, I guess. Mm. She wanted to play against her memory of Indiana Jones, which is kind of mm. cool.
0: Um, I don't believe Harrison Ford has ever seen a movie so not knowing who <laughs> Kate Blanchett was makes sense.
3: I just imagine him going to like all of his premieres and just been like, who are all these people? <laughs> uh, but yes, he kept himself in good shape and had the exact same wow. costume measurements, apparently. And man, you know, you say he had a dad bod, but like, I don't know. It, it's kind of that like old school fit like the mm-hmm. the cover of like a uh 1950s sportswear magazine cover right like yeah. they are they're not very fat they're just they don't have very defined muscles yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he's James that's
1: Bond That's kind of like fit. his look
3: James
0: Bond yeah. fit
3: yeah yeah um
0: know. and then Daniel yeah the, Craig is pretty fucking beefy in those movies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we all know your obsession with Daniel yeah. <laughs> that beef cake. That
0: beefcake.
1: Um,
3: castle. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the the Kung Fu Aztecs apparently is uh, kind of a thing. Yeah, they had a, a martial art known as rumimaki, which translates to hard hands. So not sure that they actually took that into consideration when uh, filming and writing the script, but it might have been just a convenient <laughs> coincidence.
2: That's, that sounds coincidental more than intentional. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, cool. After that trivia, we're going to get in, into some box office news, and we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out May twenty first, two thousand and eight. Uh, it had a budget of one hundred and eighty five million dollars. Had a domestic opening of one hundred million dollars, um, oh, and wow. world worldwide has made seven hundred and ninety million dollars. So it's definitely made its money back worldwide. Um, and I can kind of see that being the case um, just because, like, it's Indiana Jones coming back. Um, just, you know, when, when was the last one? Like 1981? And then, like, I think, yeah,
0: 19 years, right?
1: Yeah. Something crazy like that. Um, but, you know, that year it was a good comp- a, a yet again good company for movies. We had things like The Dark Knight, Wally, oh, e- Iron Man, Cloverfield, Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, Gran Torino, and um, sure, and uh, how about Valkyrie?
3: <laughs> wow, I feel like every other time you've given us a list of movies, we're always just like, Whoa, they all came out in the same year. That was kind of a very that sound, sounded very meh. It's, it's <laughs> like a, I, it is kind of in that tier of meh, like, yeah, uh,
0: I mean, that's the I mean, that's the year that uh, superhero movies just exploded.
1: Yeah, because like, like after Hulk, Iron Man and Hancock wanted, all of those are in the same oh, year. <laughs>
0: mm. Can't win them all.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember this movie being h- huge. Like it was just such a big deal that um that it was Indiana Jones and then but also Harrison Ford was coming back mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, kind of surprised it didn't make that much like domestically, but mm.
3: I, don't I don't know. Imagine- I, the, the other thing I remember about this movie release was that it had like fan backlash on the same scale as like Phantom Menace, you know, like yeah, oh,
1: this yeah. Yeah,
0: this movie got ravaged immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately though, the difference is people saw Phantom Menace like a hundred times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and still like hated it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's get into let's get into this movie. Um uh so yeah, Cameron, why don't you just start us off and just give us some initial thoughts of uh of the Crystal Skull.
2: Well, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> no, I I saw it in the theater when it came out and I had it left zero impression on me whatsoever. Um, so when I went back to rewatch it for this, I like and finally took like a critical eye to it. It really is just it starts off terribly with the like the little prairie dogs at first in the car like, like, like driving across the middle of like nowhere in this like ricky ass like you know 1950s car that I'm sure was not built for that um, and uh, the whole like drag race in the middle and I don't know it just it started off so bad that I wasn't really surprised by how much worse it got as it went on.
1: I have the same thoughts of the opening of this movie. Like, I was like, after that drag race scene got done, I was like, there is no point to this other than to (laughs) scream at the movie viewer that this is in the 50s. Like, that is all this is for. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it was rubbish. Um, The intro. uh, So, and then it was just all downhill from there. Um, Or, I guess maybe let's let's just kind of sorry go ahead
2: i was gonna say definitely picked up when shia labeouf entered the <laughs> entered the film uh, <laughs> for me personally that was the highlight that saved this ultimately
0: are, wait are you joking or i can't tell
2: <laughs> are we are we gonna get into shia labeouf honestly
0: right now <laughs> can
2: we switch I was actually—I know I'm a guest, but I would like to suggest that we switch this over from a focus on Harrison Ford.
0: <laughs> oh shit!
1: All right. <laughs> let's, okay, so the movie Holes, I think, was one of his
3: first ones.
0: <laughs> um, let's save uh, Shia uh, for a little later, and let's let's just break down this opening. Um, and okay, uh guys i enjoyed this movie um i really enjoyed the, this opening uh benjamin he, benjamin yep yep <laughs> ben, ben, what What are you doing right now yeah. what, what's happening everyone doing a bit this is not a bit <laughs> all right the the like groundhogs or whatever they are uh, um those maybe should have been left out. That was some like George Lucas CGI bullshit, but that whole like chase, like, or the drag race and the, those like college kids, like, um, like, r- uh, driving alongside this like military, um, like caravan. Um, I just love just the energy of it. It has this incredible, just kinetic flow and, and I thought it was a great opening uh to a movie. Like this is directed by um uh oh Steven Spielberg. And like bad Bad Spielberg is still a good movie, in my opinion. And I think I was just like I was like, I'm in the hands of a master and I just enjoyed taking this ride yeah i thought it was a fun movie um obviously i mean uh the ending is pretty just bullshit bonkers but we'll get to that um but this whole wow, intro gonna have
3: exact opposite opinions of this movie <laughs> go ahead go ahead tyler uh, what are your thoughts uh, uh, all right all right so the the start of this movie is like completely indicative of what we're going to get for the rest of the film. It's it first of all it completely breaks the format of what every other Indiana Jones movie has done where it they typically start with a completely unrelated to the larger plot like little mini adventure of indiana jones like you if you look at the introduction of every other movie it's basically a cold open to indiana jones on in the middle of other some other adventure where he's like just narrowly escaping and it's like it sets the scene the tone for the whole movie this like adventure story with this daring hero and like it just perfectly communicates in almost zero words like who this character is what he does and what we're in for and for the rest of the movie and this movie starts off with CGI gophers and other and then characters Doing a race that none of the characters are then related to the rest of the plot and the movie like it's just completely it's just completely in there just as you said to basically tell us we're in the 50s -hmm. like that's all it was and it was really boring to me like I did not get the same level of like uh investment in the the way that it's shot or directed or anything like that I just found myself like waiting for like okay, what does this have to do with anything and why is this in an Indiana Jones movie
0: mm. um okay okay interesting uh, so, <laughs> um then they get to this uh this big warehouse and then it's revealed that this this caravan is like, the russian military but i don't think they ever explain if they're just like rogue russians or they're actually working for the military and also i don't even think it matters they're just bad guys
2: (laughs) (laughs) and they reveal themselves to be bad guys in the shittiest way possible like the most like confusing way possible like the one guy gets out of the car and walks directly at you know, the Americas And then he like ducks down and they're surprised to see an entire line. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, like,
3: they had like, a choreographed, like, <laughs> yeah. a, like weird dance choreographed routine to shoot people. <laughs>
2: like, yeah. there were bound to the same sort of like force perspective of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> they did their, the their
3: Dragon out. Ball Z Ginyu force poses. <laughs>
0: Uh, then, then it's revealed that they, they have, uh, Indiana Jones and his like buddy Mac and like captive, uh, which was in kind of a like, really like BS way. Cause they, they said that they just came across them. Uh, did you guys catch that? Like they explained that they were like, yeah, they, we just found them in the desert, like digging up, uh, stuff and it's like uh <laughs> okay that's all, takes, apparently.
3: that's all it takes Yeah. so that should have been the cold open they should have been on some other adventure and then at the end they get captured that God, should have been just, it uh, that's just a lot
0: i i that's just a lot of work to set up a care to like set up where this is going and especially like one of the things that I really like about this movie is there's only uh, aside from Indiana Jones, there's only one returning character, correct? And that's Marion. And everyone else is all, they're all new characters, but they have this huge history with Indiana Jones. And I just really enjoyed that. Like it's been 19 years between movies, but, uh, like so much stuff has happened and the force awakens plays this same playbook and i just love the like just the depth of this movie and how like i've never met mac before but they have this huge history and it's two great actors playing off of each other and like that's all you need and i loved Uh, I love the cold open aspect of this movie because like it, yes, like the start of the movie is completely innocuous to the major, major plot, but I think it's fine that it's just, uh, just a, like, like, yeah, it's telling you that like what decade you're in and it's introducing you back into the world and giving you the feeling that you're going to feel for the rest of this movie. And then just dumping you just Indiana Jones, our hero is just in a trunk. Um, And yeah, it's fine that it's, it's setting up the plot of the movie. Like, I don't, I think it's weird that you're docking this movie because there's not, he's not like just, in a temple that's completely disconnected
3: um the well, movie I, I mean I guess it's more I found it more of an issue that like we in a movie that's a return to Indiana Jones he gets the the like least ceremonial introduction possible mm. like I I don't know but I guess my my larger issue that I have with this film is really I'm not going to have a ton of issues with like the plot or um, most of the ideas that are at play here. Like, honestly, the general setup of this, I think, is so perfectly an Indiana Jones, like, framework uh, for a story that it's, like, I think that it deserved to be made. Like, the idea of Cold War Russians, like, chasing down some, like, 19 set in the 50s at the height of like ufo mania where the the major object that they're pursuing is Alien oriented like I think that's all a genius move to like take this series in a different direction um, and kind of evolve that like, okay, we're taking Indiana Jones through the decades. What was something popular at that in that time period? Right. Like all these ingredients, I think, are pretty great. And I'm glad they didn't go back to the well for Nazis and stuff like that. So like I most of that stuff I'm really not going to have much of an issue with. It's more that just that the execution on display here is so Mm. abysmal. Like it's almost unwatchable. I I just, you can't get through a single scene without questioning a decision that was made.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, I I gotta, I'm going to interject here. So one of the notes that I took and this kind of revolves around what you said about it being in the fifties and all that stuff. like, I think that Indiana Jones doesn't work in any other time period but the 30s and 40s. I think you start introducing more newer technology and this and that. It like just doesn't work for the character, in my opinion. Like there's something more satisfying than to punching a Nazi in the face and punching some like Russian communist in the face. I, maybe. And that's <laughs> it, And I just think it's because just the other Indiana Jones better movies are are better. So maybe that's just just tainting my my look on the whole thing uh but I think just the 30s 40s aesthetic works far better for this personally. Now, I'm going to I'll I'll say I actually kind of was okay. Like I think the movie's perfectly watchable, but I have a big problem with the actual whole alien <laughs> aspect of it entirely. Uh-huh. I don't think that should have been the case at all. <laughs> but we uh, can
0: How so? How so?
1: How so? I just okay, so Well, it kind of gets into the very last scene of the movie. Like I get it like the first few like the first few Indiana Jones, like there is weird satanic or unnatural shit going on. But like for some reason, and I'm this is just there's no I don't know if I have a reason for this aliens and the actual existence of them ruins this entire universe for me (laughs) but the arc of the covenant is completely real like i get it yeah it's messed up it doesn't make any sense but just that they like i would have i can't say it without jumping straight to the end but like they just pretty much show the actual physical alien there if they would have Mm -hmm. just had that temple and not done that, I think I would have liked this movie better.
3: Yes. That's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. I think that people would have bought this a lot better if the execution had been better. Like, I don't know, Cameron, what did you think about the, the overall like plot driver of it being aliens?
2: I don't know. I think it kind of held up for a while. Um, and When you finally do see how they try and tie everything together and sort of like, you know, put a bow on it at the end, it's kind of like that was what all that was leading to. Like, all, you know, there was like, I don't know, my memory of the previous movies may not be great um, because it's been a while (laughs) since I've seen them, but like, I don't know, I feel like they weren't – they were heavy-handed in a way that this wasn't, but then the ultimate, like, conclusion of it was way, I think, even something like the, the Ark of the Covenant was. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like, they, they sort of, like, slow-played this and then went, like, went crazy at the end, whereas, like, I feel like the other ones were, like, pretty even throughout the movie and how heavy they leaned on, you know, whether it was, like, the the search for the Holy Grail and all that sort of stuff
1: mm-hmm um it just felt okay. the other ones are just more subdued in it like i yes I, the other ones seem like it, it like the ending to this one you're just like that seems way more grand and the scope seems way more grand than the other singular incidents that happened
2: yes in the other sure.
3: for sure yeah that that's my issue entirely i feel like if they if they scaled back the 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 scope of this like the uh, i just don't know who decided that like i mean obviously we're kind of skipping all over the place here but like the i don't know who decided that having the ending alien spaceship be literally the size of an entire like basin it's like underneath the period pyramids like that is absurd because it takes it it takes the scale so far removed from tiny little indiana jones like jumping around in tombs and and pyramids and stuff like he is inconsequential to that moment right whereas in all these other moments it's such a Like, yes, it's fantastical things happening, but he's right there at the same scale as those events. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what just blows this one too far out of proportion and makes it just, the audience just completely lose it. If it had just been like, Oh, the very top of the pyramid is a hidden little spaceship that disappears at the end. And like and if we didn't have all this bullshit exposition where we literally have a character like standing there saying things like actually they're interdimensional beings and they belong <laughs> yes. in a space between spaces. Like just get rid of all that bullshit. You didn't have anyone in like the the um The Last Crusade, like, talking about how, like, oh, this is, uh, this is how God and the devil are related, and this is the entire mythology of Mm -hmm. Christianity that explains this device. Like, it just, there's mystery there. That's what we
0: want Mm -hmm. from it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, since we're talking about the aliens, uh, I'm going to put my liberal hat on and, uh, say my biggest problem of this movie, um, I think that Indiana Jones as a franchise works better when it's about religion. And technically this movie is about religion and the adding aliens to this movie, I think is very, it perpetuates a very like racist, um, conspiracy that goes around a lot where, when we look back at ancient uh, civilizations, we say, "Well, white people didn't build this, so obviously it was aliens." Yeah, <laughs> and, uh,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Um, The pyramids of Egypt, I think, is like the most common one of this like conspiracy, and it's very, um, it is very weird. Uh, I I don't know if I would feel better if it was if they weren't in El Dorado, if it was just a made up place, or I mean it's probably just bad. Um, it's probably just bad anyways. Just aliens, um, just being the cause of this like incredible city, and it really for like I thought the Crystal Skull is a pretty like cool, like goober for our like heroes to be chasing. And yeah. that like prop is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just the. I mean, the ending ruins this movie. Um, yeah. And I in, would agree with you that
3: the, with that reasoning, I think there, there, there's a very um, uh, valid complaint about how that was executed. I would have much rather they leaned into the, the aliens being collectors more because mm-hmm. that was like a kind of footnote part of this whole thing where like they I like the idea of them being like tourists almost to earth where they were collecting all this archaeological stuff he even says they were archaeologists right oh, yeah. but then they then they try to double dip on explaining who these aliens are and say oh they taught humans all these things and they you know they They were the reason for the advancements in these civilizations. It's like they they didn't need to do that. It could have just been a localized like encounter with aliens that was meaningful for this local civilization, right? But like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Again, it just goes to the execution being the problem in my mind and not really the concept of aliens being real in an Indiana Jones movie.
0: Mm. And I think you're right about um, like the UFO appearing and it's like a hundred miles long. Like, I mean, I think that's one, I think that's mainly a problem of just special effects have just gotten so much better in the past, like two decades, like before this movie. Yeah. It is very much a star Wars prequels problem where like, I think that what this movie's ending is going for is exactly what Raiders of the Lost Ark is going for. It's just that they couldn't, like, they could only, like, animate, like, two people's heads melting off, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And then, like... That's
3: what I thought, too. I mean, if that
0: movie was made today, it would just be... It would be terrible. Um, Right. Because they could they could show every single Nazi getting just (laughs) erupted into flames. Yeah.
3: This movie feels like a perfect example of how, like how many classic movies would have been ruined if the original, like creative minds behind them had the tools available to them that we have today. Exactly. Just at the time they were limited only by the technologies they had available to them. And that just so happened to like put enough of a creative, like, clamp on them that it ended up working in their best interests. Like Mm -hmm. it it just seems so obvious because this is literally the same filmmaker returning to the same characters and concepts that he had used, you know, decades previously and just taking the training wheels off. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's so egregious in so many scenes that it's just distracting beyond belief.
0: And those movies have aged pretty well. Like, oh, they've aged great, yeah. They do not look real, but I think that um, a lot of there's a lot of iconic moments in all three of those old movies, and it is not because of their like last lack of special effects, you know, right?
2: And yeah, I know I said the movie was terrible, but like when it's not doing some of those like crazy over the top, we're doing it because we can do it sort of things, like it's not. A bad movie like there's the i'm thinking back on like sort of that scene where um mutt and indiana jones are sort of like in the diner and they sort of yes. like, they sort of like team up and like you know outsmart or whatever the the kgb guys like it's kind of a dumb scene but it's sort of what i remember the earlier ones those sort of like funny sort of like mm-hmm. uh i don't know what you'd call it sort of the, the improvisation improvisation of sort of Indiana Jones um, mm-hmm. in like a situation like that. I thought that was good. Yeah. There's a lot I of think-
0: practical effects in that. Like, or the CG is very well hidden. Like, it seems very, a lot of this movie seems very real mm-hmm. uh, to me. Mm-hmm.
1: I would have to say that, like. Kind of on Cameron's point, like the characterization, I think Harrison Ford still has it like he is still Indiana Jones in this, I think entirely. So like that, those scenes where they're more like intimate scenes that are not so out of control, like I think he's still got it like the scene where they're just driving that. uh, Granted, this big trucks chase scene through the forest gets a little ridiculous. But the scene where he just pops (laughs) through the back with like a bazooka, like, yes, Yes. like the little character moments are is still incredible in this. And, it's funny
3: that you yeah. it's funny that you were able to like literally pick out the exact same two scenes that I thought were like the most prototypically Indiana Jones in this whole movie and they're like understated character moments they had nothing to do with like the crazy set piece stuff right
2: Cuz like you said they get lost in the scale of you know the craziness that's going on Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh all right let's talk about some other uh questionable decisions of this movie Cameron you brought him up earlier but (laughs) let's talk about Shia LaBeouf who plays a shining star
2: (laughs) if ever there was one
0: Mutt Williams
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean I'm I'm, I'm gonna gonna go first and then I will counter every point you make
1: oh wow okay I'm okay I'm gonna start Um, I actually, so the movie came out in 2008 and it, I just remember people being vehemently against Shia LaBeouf and hated (laughs) and all of that stuff. Um, and at the end when they tease the whole hat thing, like, oh, you're next in line, buddy, kind of a thing. Like I heard a lot of uproar. And even when I watched it, I was like, no, this fucker ain't getting that. Like, no way.
0: But I have to say, I have a quick question about that. And maybe you guys remember this, but I remember there was a narrative before this movie came out that this was a passing of the torch movie that Shia LaBeouf was going to go on to make like his own franchise of Indiana Jones movies.
1: But, you know that too. Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: But that, that scene where like Harrison Ford grabs the hat, that almost seems like it's like joking at that whole narrative. That was probably a re- uh, that was
2: probably a reshoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched it after like knowing how poorly it was sort of received. I wondered if they had him put the hat on, and then when like maybe some advanced press came out or whatever, they're like, "Uh, we're gonna." <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> see i i saw it more of like a ah not yet kid like maybe in the next one it'll be you but not today maybe. like ah, that's what i saw it as more it wasn't it, it didn't feel like they were at all referencing the expectation that mm-hmm. he would become indiana jones it felt more just like a, a tease that he he will but just not yet yeah.
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Let's see how
3: these transformer
0: movies uh, you know, <laughs> yeah
3: yeah um
0: but kind of uh
1: so continuing on my thought process there so they had all that lined up back in the day i wasn't for it but i actually didn't hate him this time around i thought he was perfectly fine like i uh, but i've also come to like shia labeouf quite a bit more than i used to like him uh uh but i think he I think he was perfectly fine. I didn't quite like that he was his son, but the jokes that started to crop up after they were announced that, like, oh, Shia LaBeouf is his actual son now with Marion or whatever. It was funny because at first he was like, oh, you didn't go to school? Well, you're doing what you like. That's great. But the Mm -hmm. second he finds out, he's like, why didn't you finish school, you idiot? (laughs) I kind of I I felt there was some fun stuff they could have did. They did with that. So overall, I think Shia Buff was perfectly serviceable in this in this movie. I yeah,
3: I would be, I would go so far as to say that I think he's great in this. I do, and the honestly, fuck? I think it
0: takes I a have, lot to I make Ben go. What the into fuck? into world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the correct dimension. So I think I think you're watching
3: this movie with the sensibility of being back in 2008 when this was made. Um, I think that this movie is like better in retrospect, knowing his career trajectory, because I think I think a lot of people watched this originally thinking that he was supposed to be actually cool. But. When I watch the movie now, I read it more as oh no, he actually is a giant dork, and that is intended. Like, it, they he's trying to pull off this cool guy uh, yeah. act, but it's absolutely not working. Like, and it's that's intended, right? But it, that's it how kind I of, it. yeah, yeah. And so he's playing that perfectly. He is, he's a total dweeb in this movie, even though he's like trying to act all cool. And that, like, I feel like that is a pretty important part of developing him as a character that could have returned because it would be him embracing the like oh i actually like going out and getting dirty i don't need to have my hair slicked back all the time i like learning i i read i read a lot like i know shit and, and that's okay i i don't know i think and just the fact that like knowing how great of an actor he is today and some of the stuff that he's been a part of like Getting if it would be a real treat to see him come back and evolve that character into something different now. I agree. So it's I I I think that people just have the wrong like frame of mind while watching it. It seems to me like a lot of people thought the filmmakers intended for him to be cool and he was just bad at it and so he looked dorky and dumb. I I think that was absolutely intended.
0: Yes, I agree that it was intended, but I. Don't think it works at all, and I, uh, I will say, like everyone has said, I think Shia LaBeouf is a great actor. I think he was a great actor before this movie, and he was he is a great actor after this movie. But there's something about he is one of those actors that I just don't think he's good in blockbusters. Whether it's too big of a machine that he just can't latch onto the material or um or he just doesn't give a shit. But I think that he is the worst part of this movie. And he when he enters when he comes on screen, uh it, it just sucks the wind out of all everything that's going good about this movie. I think that Uh, Marion desperately needed to come in way earlier um, because just him Shia LaBeouf and Harrison Ford just on screen alone is just so boring and I really think Shia LaBeouf is just not giving a good performance and Yeah, I just
3: I felt like the attempt to rekindle that romance was just completely completely fell flat. Like I did not, I did not feel any attachment or excitement in having her return whatsoever. I was way more interested in the father son dynamic between
0: Harrison and Shia. Yeah, the problem with him and Marion is that it's just they're just like love struck instantly, and yeah. She's it's only boring. in Raiders, right? Is she only in the just the first movie? I, I believe I think so. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is like a weird I thing because you you go through two movies and then I, I don't know that. I agree. That whole relationship really just felt odd to me, and they just don't give time to like develop it. Like again, it's just yeah, love at first sight. Um this movie and they have to
3: spend they have to spend so much screen time just even explaining how the hell he has a son and where they've been the rest of this time like Mm. it's just it felt so shoehorned and stupid like it he he could have just been his son and that that was all we needed to know i don't know it just that idea of harrison ford like having to like teach things to someone that he like at first doesn't realize is someone he should care about and later finds out he should. Mm -hmm. I I just thought that dynamic was way more interesting than the, the forced rekindled love interest.
2: Mm -hmm. I feel like the reveal could have been put at the end and it would have probably been better than like halfway through the movie.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like right when the UFO is coming up, she's just (laughs) like, yo, he's your son. (laughs)
1: isn't that more fucked up than this fucking alien ship
0: (laughs) should have been paying child support this whole time and i know this is the wrong time to bring this up but uh, not interested in this ufo um another problem that i had with this movie is i think when we talked about raiders we kind of mentioned this just the um, how the villain just gets completely like murdered in the most gruesome way, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think Kate Blanchett gets a short shrift in this. She gets like sucked up into a UFO, and I wish she would have like I don't know. I need something disgusting.
2: <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. she
0: deserves it. Her
2: eyes catch on fire, something like that, or was that another person? Yeah, no, her her eyes she on yeah. Fire. Her eyes
0: catch on fire. Oh, isn't that like? Is it really? Fire or because like there's like knowledge coming into her eyes.
1: Yeah, first, but they right? do
0: burst into flames. Yeah. Okay.
1: Knowledge flames.
3: Knowledge <laughs> flames. <laughs> <laughs> that man, that whole sequence was just the I, again execution having the actual like interdimensional being reform and glare into the camera as it's like oh, yeah. forcing this knowledge into her brain was so dumb
0: just so dumb the alien like, also looks like Mewtwo too, as well yeah
3: it, it would be like it'd be like at the end of the the third indiana jones movie if like literal jesus appears and makes them like you know what i mean it just be so yeah. fucking stupid he's like pick this cup <laughs> uh, also what was the what was the motivation of that alien like it, all of the all of these movies are like a moral tale, right? It's like this: uh, the the villain is searching for something. Like it, uh, in the first movie, they're searching for like unlimited power or strength, you know. And they get immortality. they get what they uh, right immortality, trying to live forever. And this one, it's the idea of like using knowledge as a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. But how? It's just not demonstrated why the alien would kill her, I guess, when like ostensibly she did exactly what they were supposed to do. Like the whole thing was that the skull was telling them to return it. And so what's her reward for doing exactly what they want? It's she gets killed. They just didn't go they didn't go far enough to explain
0: like why what she did was worthy of being killed yeah i mean she needed to be punished like in the same way like uh in the last crusade it's like the guy picks the wrong cup because he doesn't he doesn't understand what he's asking for he's just he he doesn't he just wants immortality he but he doesn't care he doesn't care to understand it And, uh, yeah, in this one, she wants knowledge and I think she gets it, right? Yeah. But she then is immediately just evaporated into the UFO.
3: Yeah. I guess it just, in the other movies, there's more of a, like, they are going against the warning, right? Like they're, they're being told not to do this thing and they want to do it anyways because they're greedy or whatever. In this Mm -hmm the the whole thing is like they they the aliens want them to return this thing to them and so it just does, it seems odd mm-hmm. that like she did exactly what they wanted and, but, and somehow they just knew she was bad and that she should be punished, which granted she should. That's the, that's the point of the moralistic tale here. But mm-hmm. it, it just, it felt weird because they had to, they took a weird, like, secured, circuitous route to get there, yeah. I guess.
0: And then the same thing with Mac dying too. He, yeah. He, uh, he dies because he's too busy collecting all the treasure. And he doesn't get out on time, but he gets this, like, he gets this, like, final moment that I feel like, like, he is not punished either. Like, he is too busy. His greed kills him, but, like, Indiana, like, tries to save him, and he gets this, like, wink right before he gets sucked into the UFO too. Right. It's very odd. also that whole that
3: whole moral lesson there is completely ignores the fact that those aliens stole all those artifacts from other civilizations (laughs) right like they're gonna punish the dude who steals from them like what the fuck yeah
2: (laughs) aliens kind of seem like dicks if i'm honest
3: Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm i'm guessing
1: that they killed um Cate Blanchett's character because in transmitting knowledge, they were like, Oh, she's also a communist? Damn.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the mummies are, or the, the Martians are space capitalists.
0: Oh, well, yeah.
3: After her eyes burst into flames, the alien just goes, I like Ike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb joke that was, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um uh, also, it, just to kind of touch on some more of this cast. Uh, I think John Hurt is just giving it his all in this movie. Um, and I love how he's like, uh, when they first meet him, he's like lost his mind. And so he's only talking in like fortune cookies. And then <laughs> when uh, whatever the point is where he like reclaims his consciousness, He then continues to still talk in riddles. And I thought that was just hilarious. Like, it was so stupid, but um, (laughs) just, I loved, I love that line. The, oh, they're not from space. They're from, or they're not going into space. They're going to space between space. (laughs) It's like, all right, dude, chill the fuck
1: out. Um. I just need to touch on a couple of just terribly egregious things that happened in this movie. Um, yes, please. Just totally unrelated to plot and stuff. So that lead line fridge
0: is pretty great, huh? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were gonna skip this.
1: Nope, I'm, no, I, I, nope. I gotta come back. American made. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, American made lead line fridge can survive a nuclear blast. Okay, I'll give them that's that-
0: true, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll, the getting launched into the air like a hundred miles. Yeah. So that's that's questionable.
1: If you want me to believe that it makes you survive the heat and radiation from a nuclear blast. Fine, whatever. But that thing tumbling through the ground and on the earth would have pulverized him into salsa and guts would have spilled out of that thing.
3: Yeah. No, that it's again, it goes back to my point on execution. Like, no one in the creation of this film exercised any level of restraint. Like, (laughs) the. That could have been a cool moment. Like, I actually love the setup for that moment where he comes across the village, yeah. the town and then he's like, what the fuck? There's mannequins here? What the fuck is going on? Like, the audience is really confused for a moment and then you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. And, it, like, that's a cool Indiana Jones moment. And then it just gets fucking ruined by the, like, bizarre, like, I don't know, I guess the punchline of the sequence (laughs) is just so absurd that you just lose all interest that they had, like all goodwill that they had uh, engendered from the previous sequence is Mm -hmm. just thrown out the
0: window. So I don't, uh, I'm not well read on uh, bomb testing back in the 50s, but I found it very odd that, uh, so I know that they, I do know they built like cities and then yep. they filled it with mannequins but also they also provide electricity because there's a television that's on and then yeah. there's a dude there's a dude washing his car with actual water and it's like all right that is a step too far oh, favorite, why do you need uh, electricity really? and water
1: yeah so my favorite thing on that specifically about the water is that he tries to turn on a sink in the house and can't yet they have like <laughs> sprinklers and a guy with a hose outside like, <laughs> well oh, okay. yeah, there's
0: kids playing in sprink the sprinkler <laughs>
3: I'm I'm gonna defend this a little bit because if I were designing a test like that, I this is I would absolutely do it that way because I would be there would probably be there's probably a home or several mm-hmm. in that test area that does have the sink running, but they're not gonna run water to all the sinks just for for the ones that aren't being used to test that scenario right like True. they they they're just trying to see a snapshot in time of what would have happened when that bomb dropped and there would have been somebody out you know washing their car when it happened there would have been kids playing in sprinklers so like it's they really wanted to know what effects this would have on literally literally every little aspect of everyday life. Would that That's sprinkler fair. become yeah. like a, a you know a radiation spewing thing? Like <laughs> who knows? We don't know until we test it. Mm-hmm. So
0: I I, I loved that whole setup, but it just I don't know. They in just defense, totally lost it. In defense of the bomb, I thought the effects of the bomb going off was actually really cool. And yeah, I think no, you can even agree. tell that they Built like a model city and actually blew it up like it wasn't all yeah. cg and yeah watching that dog that little mannequin dog just get eviscerated was really cool yeah <laughs>
3: it was I'm and really then, cool
0: oh my god and then the, <laughs> he, i am pros rolls- mannequins getting melted it was <laughs> quite cool
3: and when he rolls out of that fridge there's a gopher just fucking <laughs> yes. sitting there staring at him. And I'm just like, who the fuck did that? Like, who was the one who
0: signed off on that, Dude, that is and thought that that George would be a good Lucas. Idea? That just screams George Lucas.
2: I have a theory that they planted all those little, like, seeds of the CG, like, prairie dogs and shit. Just so the scene with the monkeys later on would not it-
0: <laughs> Oh, my God. I thought we were going to skip is- this, too. <laughs> That is number
3: two worst scene in the whole movie, for sure.
0: Yes. And yeah, so like the the problem with the problem with the bomb scene is that it it is pointless. There is really no need for it. And it is definitely like it's to set up this world. It's to remind people that it's the 50s and we're in the Cold War and uh the monkey scene is super dumb for literally no reason
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because he it doesn't even take him out of the picture he he gets back and rejoins the same exact chase scene that he was just in he
1: can like swing as fast as a car which is ridiculous
0: (laughs) the like uh the sword fight between uh, him and Kate Blanchet, I thought was pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I was gonna mm-hmm. say that was my third least favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> oh
3: my <laughs> god! Because it went on for like five goddamn minutes, That's and true. It, at no point did the driver of the Russian car just like swerve a little bit to the left. You know, like oh, he's doing he's the fucking splits. Yeah,
0: but he gets hit in the nuts like three times. That's a <laughs> comedy oh goal. It's so dumb. Of, so dumb. Roll of three nut
3: shots. <laughs> so funny zero restraint zero restraint in this yeah. movie yep <laughs>
1: um well i i also want to touch on the one of the first scenes of the movie too real quick in that um you know i'm not a scientist but i don't think this movie knows how magnets work very well oh either. my god Why? they're
0: aliens dude Sure. They're just magnetized to everything.
1: It's plot magnets is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just wish that, because he was asking, he was like, does anyone have like a a compass or anything? And nobody has a compass in there. I just wish they would have had a compass so they could just found it right away instead of having to go through this long, drawn-out thing where he throws gunpowder in the air and then it just floats mystically to wherever the box is.
0: You kidding me? It's pretty dumb (laughs) how it's that magnetized of power but um all of their all of their stuff is not getting pulled to it until they get it the box like out of it. <laughs> yes. Every time they deal with, and with magnets in this
3: movie, it's never magnetized until you can see it. Yeah. The, mo- <laughs> the moment the you can pattern. see it. Well, that's true. But like oh, for larger objects that would have ostensibly been attracted to this thing, they aren't Ooh. attracted until the audience can see the object like mm-hmm. coins and spoons and balls. Like everything that gets attracted to it only happens when you, it like gets a cloth like comes off
0: the skull. That's it.
2: <laughs> Never yes. their guns, you notice. Never, the gun. Never their guns. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, God, it would have been so funny if they opened the the doors to that hangar and they all just like start tumbling in towards the box, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: their cars start flipping over. <laughs> like whoa, whoa, whoa! Here's uh, you know, and I just 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 kind of dawned on me, like. Is that scene just a bit too much fan service anyway? Like,
3: yes, that scene is
1: like uh, the one of the one of the coolest Indiana Jones scenes ever is the end of the Lost Ark when they put that thing in this giant warehouse, and then the first Mm -hmm. scene is like, Remember that sweet warehouse? We're going back to the well. Well, And remember that arc?
0: Indiana Jones even says he's like, I've never been here, and it's like, (laughs) Yeah, "Yeah, no (laughs) shit. Yeah, it is. At least they didn't like, like, open like five crates and like they show like a bunch. It's just a bunch of shit from the old movies.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of them did. (laughs) Like, you guys saw the long pause on the busted open box of the arc, right? Oh, really? No.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I take that back then. They did basically do it. Yeah. Um,. Anything else? Anything else on this movie? Um, we didn't talk about Kate Blanchett enough. Um, I think she's a joy in this movie. I think she plays a great villain. Uh, a great villain in this movie, I should say. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I think she's just... She's incredible. And... The
3: know. Russian accent is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean like great in the like B movie kind of way, you know, like it's so over the top and cartoonish that it's actually awesome. Mm
2: -hmm. I didn't have Uh, any complaints about it. It totally fit in the, you know, sort of the world and the history of sort of, you know, over the top, uh, Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. villains.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, I think she looks better with black hair and Thor Ragnarok though. I'm just going to say that real quick.
0: She is, She is sexier in Thor Ragnarok. She has this like dominatrix feel in, actually, in both these movies. I am going to say that that, rapier. (laughs) Um, another thing, another uh, kind of, I guess, trope you could call it that they return to in this movie is him teaching in a class and getting interrupted by the dean. uh, Yeah, I think has happened in. Every single movie. Um, but there's yeah. no like gratuitous like uh student hitting on him, which <laughs> I think this is the first Indiana Jones movie where that doesn't happen. I think um, that's
1: fine. I think that's fine. I don't think it
0: is. I...
2: <laughs> totally <laughs> role immersion for me.
0: <laughs> True. I mean, hey, Harrison Ford, he's still got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. If I was in that classroom, I would totally have just like, <laughs> what's on the eyelids of that girl in the old it, one? She's like, "Love you, love you." I, th- I, I think, think it's so. "love you." Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, come on, man! It's just <laughs> our Puritan society. We've just gotten soft. <laughs> uh. All right. Let's get to final thoughts. Um. So. For every movie, we'll give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrisons on uh, how we thought he did in this movie. So, Cameron, do you want to start us off with your final thoughts?
2: I'll I'll give the movie in general a three, possibly a two and a half. I'll give Harrison Ford a four. And... Overall, I'll give the whole the whole shebang a two because of what it almost did to Shia LaBeouf's career.
0: Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> he had two Transformer movies after this one. This,
2: this was this was the thing that sent him off the off the rails. I'm convinced.
0: Uh, man, I'd I'd believe that. Uh,
3: this deal? was his gauntlet. Maybe it's what forged him. Oh, true in the five of
1: indiana jones
0: <laughs> actually i made a mistake is is he in transformers dark side of the moon the third one or did he only do two heat or does anyone t- remember
3: I'm, <laughs> final. I'm not sure
0: actually now that you say that
2: i don't even remember yeah i don't know
0: um neil uh what about your final thoughts
1: yeah certainly so um I think, in general, the movie's perfectly watchable. It's fine. Um, I'll break it out in in the way Cameron did it as well, just because that sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, I think Harrison Ford, I think he does get... uh, I think he gets four and a half out of five Harrison Fords in this entire movie. I think he's still got it, as far as Indiana Jones is concerned. Everything still lines up perfectly well. The movie, in general... I'm going to give like a one and a half, maybe just because there's kind of some garbage going on in it. Um, Just uh, everything we've talked about. It just, it's not, it doesn't feel Indiana Jonesy enough for me. It's just like, we've put this character in a completely different scoped movie. Like it's like we put Indiana Jones in independence day. Like it just doesn't work (laughs) quite right. Um, So overall I'm going to give it, two and a half Harrisons. <laughs> no, make it two. Just
3: two. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler? Alright. All right. Um, so with my final thoughts, I do want to call out a couple well, one one major scene that we didn't really get a chance to talk about. I think the um, the giant man-eating ants. Um, oh, I actually thought that that was the it it was the best use of CGI in this movie for a moment that felt like that felt like Indiana Jones classic body horror stuff but for like a more modern um, filmmaking technique I I actually thought that that was really well done for the most part I think it maybe went on a little bit too long Um, but the the idea of like trying to get away from these giant fucking ants that are just going to like crawl all over you inside your eyes and shit. And this is like, just, just that's like classic Indiana Jones body horror stuff for me. So I, I thought that was pretty well done and it was the least egregious of all the CG. Um, but with, as with everything else, like they just take it two steps too far. Um, yeah. The, the blatant use of CGI in this movie, the just like that entire sequence where they're driving through the jungle, they're following behind a vehicle that supposedly can build, like make a drivable road by sawing down all these trees and grinding away the stumps somehow. <laughs> like that is the most ridiculous thing. It's like out of a video game and everything Everything from when that scene starts to when it ends is so painfully green screened that it just looks so bad. And so like, yeah, every every major sequence, every major like action sequence in this movie is just like undercut completely by the use of CGI and just like taking things a little bit too far past the point of believable. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to give the movie, I'm going to give it a pity to Harrison's just out of like, um, out of like a acknowledgement that this was a great idea that could have been really cool, but that was just like ruined by execution. Um, but Harrison Ford, surprisingly, I think can still pull off this Indiana Jones character in his old age. Yeah. I'm right up there with you. He that's for Harrison's for sure, at least. Uh, so yeah, he altogether, uh, I think it's, I don't think it's nearly as bad as most people remember it to be. I found a lot to like here, but God, was it hard to get past the bad parts, right? Just to like find anything worth salvaging. So yeah, it's, uh, it's like a two ish overall. I don't know.
0: Uh, I'm going to give this three Harrisons. Um, I thought it's a fun movie. Um, I just had a blast just coming back to this character. Um, I think it's such a, it's, I think it is a fun, worthwhile watch. And yes, most of that is because Harrison Ford just slips back into this the costume, like it, it's the same costume he wears, same same measurements. <laughs> Fits perfectly. Um and yeah, he still has the sass and the like one-liners and he he if this movie came out like two years after um uh two years after The Last Crusade, like it feels like that, like at least from Harrison Ford's performance. Um, and that is definitely the shining uh, the shining part of this movie. Um, it's just really fun to watch Harrison Ford on screen be this incredible character. Um, uh, last question for you guys. Uh, there is a new Indiana Jones movie coming out, I believe next year. Uh, are you yeah. guys do you guys want another one? Uh, Are you ready for another one? I don't know how to
3: feel.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Very nervous.
3: (laughs) Like, I have all the same trepidations about it as I did when this one came out, worrying about whether or not he can pull it off again. Um, and I feel like that's that worry is justified. Seeing his, you know, recent movies. So who who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe he can do it. I I didn't think. I thought when he was playing Han Solo in the newer, uh, the newest. Um, well, in the the the, the what the is Force it? Awakens. Yeah, Force Awakens. In that one, he looked like an old man. You know, mm-hmm. like in this movie, I still feel like he pulled off the i'm still this fit yet old dude but i didn't i think in the time between that and the force awakens something happened so we'll see
0: <laughs> well, a few plane crashes happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see, what they'll do is you know he,
2: he's just sort of doing a retirement tour for all his old characters he got han solo killed off and then in this next one maybe indiana jones will finally die
0: oh and he- what's gonna Mutt's gonna stab him in the heart With a (laughs) lightsaber (laughs) I'm down for that Uh, Yeah it's been uh, What 2008 so that means uh, It will be like 12 years or or 13 Years yeah I Yeah it's gonna be Yeah I don't think they can do I don't think they can do Even what they did in this movie like for again but it it reminds me of uh, a lot of the
3: conversation around the movie the Irishman and how like they de-aged people but everyone still said they still moved like old men (laughs) and it's like
2: yeah
3: so like I just I imagine that being the case here where like they make it look like he's doing all this cool stuff but you can just obviously tell he's just this old dude (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know
0: (laughs) Uh, Cool. Well, um, let's get into recommendations. So, for on every episode, we'll leave you guys off with some recommendations on what uh, we think you should check out. So, Cameron, do you have a recommendation for us?
2: Uh, Yeah, I have two. I've been, my goal for this year was to read a lot more than I have been recently. Um, And so, I've been getting back into some sci-fi fantasy type stuff and two of the books i've read recently that i've really liked have been uh gideon the ninth i don't know if any of you have read it or heard of it no no uh it's by a new zealand author tasman muir i'm probably butchering her last name but um the, the 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 little blurb on the front of it says it's, you know, lesbian necromancers in space and, Shit. uh, it's, it's <laughs> really mean. cool. It's set in this sort of like universe where there are nine different houses and it's all, um, necromancy each house has a different like necromantic specialty but they're also like spacefaring and they're awaiting the return of the necrolord prime and each house has their own responsibilities and specialties and uh they get called to sort of this like contest in the the abandoned sort of cathedral of the necrolord prime and they're trying to Find clues that will resurrect him and restore sort of their like crumbling civilization. It's just super cool and really neat setting and all sorts of stuff. Um, and That's then awesome. Children of Time. Yeah. Children of Time is uh, another sci fi book a guy I work with recommended to me. It's by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, it's about uh, when humanity is sort of like at its apex, they are trying to. They've they've mastered terraforming, so they're now trying to seed planets with life. Uh, and one the first planet they sort of tried on, um, as at the moment they're sort of doing it, uh, there's a name for them in the book. But they're sort of like a a naturalist like anarchist group. They have been sort of they they're not happy with humans trying to like play god, and so they basically. Um, they sabotaged this project or so they think. And then the rest of the book is what happens, you know, hundreds of years into the future, thousands of years into the future, after um, what they thought was a failed uh, sort of like life seeding experiment on this one planet and sort of the outcomes of that with a species that they, they weren't intending to sort of promote to higher, higher being.
3: I have heard of that one and it's like very high on my list to read next. So that's cool.
2: I blew through it. It's like, I haven't read a book that fast in a long time. It's so good. Nice. Very
0: cool. Awesome. (laughs) Neil, what's your recommendation?
2: Yeah,
1: my recommendation is kind of a little throwback movie from 2011. uh, And that is, Uh, I just watched it on a whim the other day. Uh, It was on Netflix. I haven't seen this since it came out. The movie is Drive uh, with Ryan Gosling. And this movie is incredible. If you haven't seen it, please go back and watch it again. Uh, I don't know if there's a ton I can even say about it right now. Like, it's just... It's like... I've seen other uh, Nicholas Winding um, Refn movies and they're they're all kind of they all have a similar feel to it but they're not quite on this caliber i don't think um i just think there's something about this movie that draws me in like so intensely that like i don't i don't know what it is it's probably just like the stone cold silence of like the lead role mixed in with like everyone else acting around him and like surprise oscar isaacs is in it like i totally forgot about that and like he's uh, he's really good in it brian cranston's good uh albert brooks ever like the whole cast is really good it's a pretty small cast but and it just kind of covers this pretty small like little incident but everything about it is so intriguing that it's just it it, that's what just sucks you into it and i think it really just kind of drives up my love for ryan gosling still like he's so he's so good and he's so handsome and everything like all, it's, those, all
0: those big baby blues
1: oh my god you kidding me it's so good so i if if you haven't seen drive from 2011 just i would definitely check it out it's on netflix right now um yeah it's definitely worth a rewatch if you haven't seen it in a while too
0: yeah i i think uh I think I'll go give it a rewatch because I I've only seen it once and I did not enjoy it when I saw it, mm. um, but, and that was back in theaters. So it's been it's been a while. But yeah, maybe I just need to give it fresh eyes, fresh baby blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what's your re- recommendation?
3: All right, we're gonna dive into kids' corner, guys. Oh um, my god! I'm gonna recommend Frozen Two. <clears throat> Oh okay. <laughs> shit. Uh I I have not had a chance to watch much lately and uh my my family went on a little mini vacation this past weekend and we had seen uh Frozen Two in theaters and now I'm like trying to remember, did I I didn't recommend this one we saw it in theaters, did we? <laughs> no (laughs) i don't think so no i don't think i did i don't think i did so i'm gonna gonna recommend it now because it's available for purchase and soon to be rentable um if you at all have an interest in like kids movies don't just write off the frozen movies they're actually legit pretty great um they're, I mean, they're simple, but the stories are really solid, and even more so, the music is actually really great if you've managed to avoid having it, like drilled into your skull a thousand times a day by a child. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not as high on the music from the first movie, mostly just because it's been overplayed in our house. Um, But I still really like that movie. But Frozen 2, we've been listening to that soundtrack in between having seen it in theaters and now being able to watch it on home video like constantly, and it's not getting old. I really like the songs in that movie. I really like the direction they took the story. Um, uh, There's not, I can't, there's not really much to talk about as far as like plot stuff goes. Like, I don't need to explain these characters or anything. It's just like a princess and she has powers and stuff. And like, it's just kind of fun. I, I don't know really else what to say about it other than uh, Idina Menzel has the most powerful fucking voice on the planet and she's incredible uh, as Elsa and uh, Kristen Bell is pretty great as Anna and so yeah it, it's they're just fun dumb kids movies if you have cousin, little cousins or nephews or nieces or whatever like just go check it out with them and kind of see it through their eyes it, it's a lot of fun my daughter absolutely adores it and so yeah we, we just bought it and she watched it on this road trip this last weekend in the car and I was reminded how good it is so yeah if, if you haven't seen Frozen two go check it out cool
0: that's awesome that's nice uh i would like to recommend a brand new show that i think just aired just this weekend it's called high fidelity it's on hulu it is an adaptation of the nick hornsby book uh of the same name and it also i think is also an adaptation of the of the movie. High Fidelity, um, which stars John Cusack. Um, This was a show. uh, Oh, also, the show stars um, Zoe Kravitz. So a lot of characters are, like, gender-flipped in this show. Uh, This is a show that I've actually kind of been dreading because... I am a huge Nick Hornby fan. I love the High Fidelity book. I love the High Fidelity movie. And just the thought of just returning to this material again just really just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, But um, the other night I just kind of put on the first episode. Just kind of, just I was just interested about it. And I ended up watching like half the season in just that one night. Uh, this just from the start, this is such an incredible show. I think Zoe Kravitz is incredible in this role. Um, she plays this amazing, just kind of down on her luck um, record store owner and uh, who if you're unfamiliar with the story, it starts off with her breaking up with her boyfriend. And then it is kind of her going back through her, um, all of her previous relationships and kind of like reevaluating herself, um, through those relationships. Uh, this, this show is just incredible. It's so fun. um, it's it's really funny and hilarious, and but it's also like it really brings the drama. Um, and uh, I'm just uh, just completely floored by this show. It was a complete surprise to me., um, One thing I'll say is that, like, make sure that like you have Shazam ready while watching this. Uh, or whatever, like, you know, music identifying service because the the soundtrack of the show never stops. There is always a pop song being played and they're all just incredible. Like every, like every episode, there's probably like four or five times where I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is this song? And like, I pulled my phone out and identified it and I was like, I was just like, Uh, blown away. The music budget in this show is quite impressive. Um, So yeah, that's high fidelity. Uh, Like definitely, um, definitely give that a check, uh, check that out, especially if you have Hulu. Um, The one thing I will say is that, I mean, it is a very close uh, adaptation. It's very faithful. And, So there are a lot of moments that are just completely identical to both the book and the movie. And that is probably, um, I don't know if that's a a pro or a negative. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it, but um, even to the point where like her, uh, Well, one, hilariously, the the main character of the book is named Rob, and Zoe Kravik's character is also named Rob in this movie, (laughs) uh, in the show, which is, like, so funny because that's not really an androgynous name, uh, I feel like. But uh, there's even – so she has two – like slacker employees at this uh, record store, and in the movie, it's played by um, one of the employees is played by Jack Black. So he is this very like loudmouth, sassy person. He sings a lot. Um, you know, it's Jack Black. Like I think you know the character. And uh, in this in the show, it's played by an African American woman. And she is channeling. She is trying her hardest to channel Jack Black, and <laughs> she is incredible in this show. Uh, the character is just amazing, and she's really good in it. But you, she is so close to Jack Black that you you almost see him <laughs> on the screen when you're watching this. And I'm, I just. I'm conflicted because I'm like, why do that? Why make that decision? But at the end of the day, it works. So I guess huh. why not? Uh so yeah, that's high fidelity. I highly recommend uh checking that out. So awesome. um so that's it for this episode of Credits Due. Thank you everyone for joining us. Uh Cameron. Thank you so much for coming on talking with us. This has been a blast. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, and I hope everyone, uh, to the audience, thank you uh, for joining us, listening along. Um, to anyone who's watching along, thank you. And I hope you'll join us again in two weeks when we talk about the movie Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, I, I already regret Watching it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys seen this movie, but man, it has an incredible cast, and on paper, it should be a blast. But I think I saw this movie in theaters, and I think I forced myself to fall asleep. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. I think it I was think w- I saw this movie twice in theaters. Oh shit, boy. I stay tuned next time to find out why. <laughs> oh no. All right. Uh, well, until then, Tyler, why don't you tell people where they can uh, find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter
3: at Tyler Owen
0: and that's about it.
3: Okay. You can find me, Neil and Twitter at Dino Neil man.
0: And you listen to my other podcast called pivotal tracks where I interview a musician about a song that they love. Um, You can find that, just search Pivotal Tracks at whatever um, podcast service you found this podcast on. And once again, thank you uh, for listening. Uh, Cameron, thanks for joining us. And until next time, remember, as always, drop dead. I'm sorry, I meant drop dead, comrade. (laughs)